0: Welcome to SparkXM. Thanks for listening in to the second season of our podcast, where we'll be featuring the journeys and reflections of student entrepreneurs.
1: In this four-episode series, we'll take you through the lives of current entrepreneurs at four different stages in their paths. Prototyping, growth, expansion, and exit. I'm your host, Sandy Liu.
0: And I'm your co-host, Ian Geckler. This is our first podcast of the new season, and we'll be focusing on the prototyping phase of startup. We recently had the pleasure of speaking with Zach Dell. Zach is a young entrepreneur who's working to create a new toilet and waste management system to address the open defecation problem in India.
1: So far, they've taken their idea through their prototyping and test phases. In this interview, you'll hear Zach tell us about his recent trip to India and how it's informed the next steps of his venture.
2: Essentially, what we've developed is two services. In an ideal world, they work together. You purchase our toilet from a local entrepreneur. This entrepreneur runs a business in his village. He hires employees. He sells our toilets. But he's directly incentivized to innovate and make his business thrive, right? Because it's his own own business. The only restriction is that he must sell our toilets. Right now, if you want a toilet in India, you go to a man in your village he 's a, a mason and you say "I want a toilet and so he goes to your house and he first determines whether you have enough space because what he 's going to build you is a dual pit latrine system, basically two pits, a brick and mortar superstructure uh, these pits go like four to eight feet in the ground when one pit fills up the waste gets diverted into the second pit and this takes a good amount of space so if you 're in an urban if you 're in an urban slum and you 're limited by space it 's l- unlikely that you have enough space for this toilet. Well, if you have enough space, then he says, okay, you're going to need time to buy the toilet. So it's going to cost you between twelve and 15,000 rupees, which is anywhere between 450 to 500 U.S. dollars. This is quite expensive. And if you're in a rural slum, it's unlikely that you can pay this. If you don't own the land that you live on in India, you can't build. So how are you going to dig eight feet into the ground and build a brick and mortar superstructure if you're a roaming family in India? What happens when you get up and leave in two years? This toilet that you just spent 15,000 rupees on is now going to stay. So, our solution is a little different. You go to this toilet entrepreneur and you say, I want a toilet. And he says, Okay. He sells you the toilet for, let's say, 3,000 rupees instead of 15,000 rupees. And he brings it to your home and he puts it inside your home, outside your home, on top of your home. You have a two man extraction team. These men, ride two wheel vehicles so they can maneuver in small places. And the first vehicle arrives at your home, he parks his bike, and on the back of his bike, he has a small trolley mechanism. So he goes into your home, and he essentially forklifts the small collection bin of your toilet outside of your home, and then he leaps. He doesn't touch it, Uh, he, he simply just leaves. And he goes to the next home, pulls out their bin. Goes to the next home, pulls out their bin. And then guy number two comes on his bike two minutes later, parks his bike in front of your house. On the back of his bike is a small tank and a pump. He walks to the toilet, sticks the pump into the toilet, flicks a switch, sucks the waste out of the toilet, puts the cat back on the toilet, and leaves. He doesn't put the toilet back in. He goes to the next home, and he extracts their waste, goes to the next home, and does it again. So the first guy, who originally brought the toilet out, comes back in the cycle, parks his bike, gets his trolley, scoops up the toilet, wheels it back inside, goes on to the next house and repeats it. So it's quick transactions. You don't see these these men often. That's just one extraction model. Certain houses, we're going to be able to in- install minor plumbing. Uh, certain houses, we're going to do the model that I just described to you. Other other housing orientations will require other extraction models. These are things that we're going to test and, and try. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about where I am and how I got here. I've been involved in entrepreneurship for a long time. I started a couple of businesses before coming to school, one of which did quite well, one of which didn't do so well. And I learned a lot from both of those and perhaps more from the one that didn't do well. But when I got to school, I, I knew that I wanted to continue to build businesses and be an entrepreneur. But there was a, a strong feeling that I wanted to do it in a way that could be beneficial on a deeper level. I wanted to add value to a scenario that didn't just drive capital gain, but perhaps progress, whether that was through health or, or development of, of certain technologies. I wanted to uh, be involved in something that I really, really cared about that I thought could really make a difference.
0: Zach's next steps came about from a combination of preparedness and luck. He tells us about his serendipitous encounter that led to the next crucial phase of his company's growth.
2: When my sophomore year started, my buddy Jason came to me and was like, hey man, I've got this idea for this toilet and I wanna talk to you about it. And so we sit down for lunch one day and he draws me a picture of this toilet and he starts talking about food waste and and anaerobic digestion. And I got really interested because I had been to India before with my family and I was aware of the waste crisis there. And I'd done some reading on what was going on there and what uh, what was being done to solve the problems there. Jason and I started to look into sanitation and what we could do with toilets and waste processing, not really thinking of it in a business sense, just kind of interested in the market. So if you think about it from a high level, you have massive overpopulation, no running water, no electricity, which means no plumbing infrastructure. And so you have people who defecate either outside or in pit latrines, which are essentially holes in the ground that fill up, and when they're filled, they just get emptied outside, so it's the same as if someone would have defecated there in the first place. What we also realized was there's a lot of really great organizations in India who are working to solve this problem. Now the government in India has decided that the solution to the problem is the construction of large-scale pit latrines, but this is clearly not the solution, right, for reasons that I explained. The pit latrines fill up, they get emptied, you get the same end result. So what these organizations that are working on sanitation have all agreed upon is that they need a toilet solution. But when I started to research the toilet solutions, what I realized is what was being built was probably what I would build if I didn't have to worry about cost, right? Because what's going on is there's all this money being pumped into sanitation reform by the government, by nonprofits, so that they don't really have to worry about building something that's financially sustainable. They'll develop a toilet solution and they'll, they'll sell 5 million toilets, which is fantastic. That's a great win. But if you think about it, that's only 1% of the people in India that need them. And when you do this in a way that isn't financially sustainable, you can never succeed at scale. So what these groups are thinking is, well, we can't charge the poorest people in the world for toilets. They can't afford them. But if you just hand them out to everyone, you're never going to be able to do that on the scale of of a place like India, where you have 700 million people who need toilets.
1: Zach talked about how his trip helped him form connections and inspired him to keep working hard on his company.
2: In the beginning of this process, we set out to build something that was waterless, electricity-free, portable, private, but most importantly affordable for the poorest people in the world because we knew that if it wasn't affordable and we couldn't we couldn't get it down to cost, there's no way that we could scale it. That led us to develop a toilet prototype, a, a small-scale model, a full-scale prototype, uh, and we realized, okay, we, we need to get to India and test this thing. We start reaching out to organizations in India on the ground because, you know, we were aware that it was very unlikely that we could go to India and say, hey, we got this toilet, what do you think? You know, we knew that we needed the support of these organizations to point us in the right direction and show us the people who would be receptive to our product. And so I'm walking to the library one day in the fall and I ran into my friend Natasha and she's like, Zach, what are you doing this summer? And I was like, well, I'm trying to build toilets. And she's like, "What'll me in touch with some very important people in India. And next thing I know, I'm, you know, talking to these organizations like the Bill Melinda Gates Foundation and WaterAid and the Wash Institute about bringing our solution to India to to test it. I essentially spend the months of November to early March with my team, which is myself, Jason Witherspoon, and Andrew Sukola. But we essentially spend those months building out our solution top to bottom, what it's gonna take to implement what we wanna do. And we go to India and we essentially had three days of meetings and three days of field visits. And the purpose of this was to basically uncover things that we could not have known prior to going to India that would make our solution either far more difficult or perhaps impossible. Because there's only so much you can do from behind a desk in California. You know, you have to go to the people on the ground and see if this thing can actually work. And so we go to India and we realize, well, no one is really considered a out of ground, portable, private solution. And they were quite interested by it. We have these three days of meetings and we essentially have these organizations who have been working on sanitation for between five and 20 years, respectively, tell us that they're interested in what we've
0: got. Next, Zach discussed time management and explained his thought process for balancing time spent on his company and on his responsibilities at school. 24-7
2: It's a 24-7 kind of thing. It's like we're in constant contact. Not only are these my partners, but they're two of my, my best friends. So there's no kind of like uncomfortable spot. There's no, we don't have to leave this behind anywhere. Like we'll be, I'm not going to sit here and say we don't go out, right? We're in college. So we'll be out and Jason will come up to me and be like, man, I was thinking like, if we just add 50% more chicken waste to the processing, like we could increase efficiency. Like we're always thinking about this. We're always talking about this. So we don't have an office, we don't have like a specific space where we meet, but we, it's like an everyday, like okay, we, we know each other's class schedules at this point, we meet up when we, when we can, but I see these guys every day. I mean, we talk about this every day, we work on it every day.
1: Aside from being mentored by professors, another aspect of forming companies in school is a unique opportunity to work with your classmates and good friends. Zach went into the group dynamics of his founding team.
2: I am obsessive over this project. Like, this is all I think about, talk about, like, you know, worry about. I I care about school endlessly. You know, I, I think it's incredible. I couldn't be more thankful for the opportunity to go here. I mean, this school has opened up an incredible number of doors. I wouldn't be in this chair talking to you about this project if it wasn't for USC. I mean, so so much to be thankful for on campus. But when you jump into a project like this and you become so passionate about building something there's no getting your mind off of it and so it's definitely tough to balance school and work but you got to figure out a way to do it if you want it that badly you know so it was never an issue of finding time to work on this it was finding time to work on school right and so that's been tough obviously I, i'm not going to sit here and tell you i've got perfect grades you know you i'm sure both of you have better gpas than i do <laughs> But, you know, at the same time, the school wants us to succeed. They want us to to grow and to build this thing, right? They're excited about it. So a lot of my professors have been involved and have been resources for me. They've been mentors.
0: Sitting across from Zach and hearing how invested he was in this project was making me want to get out of my chair and do something. Not necessarily build a toilet, but do something. And beyond his company, Zach had some pretty interesting views on life in general, and he shared those with us.
2: My vision for the future is built around my personal vision for what I want to accomplish in my life, which I can boil down pretty simply into using the resources that I have to increase the quality of life for as many people as possible. And I'm going to do that in the way that I see most efficient. So right now, to me, that's building toilets to make a dent in the open defecation crisis in India. I can tell you right now that if I got a call from the prime minister of India when I walked out of this room and he told me that I could no longer pursue building toilets in his country due to some factor that I, I, you know, let's make up, I could tell you what I would start tomorrow and it would be geared towards that same mission statement. So I'm not trying to build a toilet business here. I'm trying to build a tech company that uses innovative technologies to solve uh, problems like this. Now, I'm not going to entertain the idea of comparing myself to Elon Musk, but his goals and his trajectory is absolutely something that I look up to and aspire to follow. So I'm going to do my best to pursue that mission statement in whichever way I see fit. Like I said, right now, that's toilets. What that's going to be in 5, 10, 20 years, couldn't tell you right now, but I'm excited to to see what it is.
1: Finally, we asked Zach to give us his parting wisdom to aspiring student entrepreneurs.
2: Don't be afraid. The number one thing that holds people back is fear. And I understand where that fear comes from, because starting a business is scary. And the idea of a non-reliable source of income is scary. And the idea of failure is really freaking scary. But if you are afraid, then you can never learn. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of what I learned about starting a business came from a business that failed. And so you have to have failures to learn how to not fail. I talk to a lot of people who are interested in starting businesses lately, a lot of people who are interested in starting social enterprises, and the main thing holding them back is quite simply the fear of just not being able to do it, which is silly. So I'm not going to, you know, it's it's obvious that I'm in a very lucky position where I, I... don't need to fear based on a lot of things right i'm a student i go to a great university if i fail i'm still a student at a great university everything's going to be just fine i'm very lucky to be able to say that but so are a lot of other people here so you know i think the one thing is don't be afraid just try it see what happens you know what's the worst thing that can happen very very little downside in attempting to start a business in college
1: It was really interesting to interview Zach Dell because of the sheer scope of his mission. Helping fix the sanitation problem for one of the world's most populous countries is an ambitious goal, and we saw that Zach clearly had the passion to match the size of his vision. Social entrepreneurship done domestically, let alone abroad, is a formidable challenge, so getting the chance to speak with him about testing his prototype in India was particularly inspiring. Zach told us the importance of being obsessed with your project. He mentioned how since day one, his core team has been working around the clock, trying to get this project up and moving, and the company off the ground. In regards to how Zach approached his college experience, he saw university as a time to experiment. For Zach, USC is a perfect melting pot for mentors and other motivated individuals to support his goals as an entrepreneur. His project takes center stage in his interactions with his friends and professors, not a backseat. He also gave us some insights into the importance of failing, to not let the fear of failure get in the way of pursuing your ideas. And that's all we have for you today. This is Sandy and Ian from SparkXM, and we'll see you for the next phase of building a startup growth. Till next time.